So did they actually hire actors for that? As well? Yeah, I was there. Well, they didn't hire us, but we they do a lot for us. So, um, so at your traditional burn supper, you have the immortal memory of Robert Burns, which is given, which is somebody gives up and gives a speech, and that's the more serious of them. And then there's the toast to the lasses, which I did this year, mm-hmm. which is kind of lighthearted, you know thing and then you know make it kind of make fun of the ladies at the place and then at the end you're like yeah but you know we couldn't live without you you're yeah. the lassies and then there's the toast of the lads in response and uh this year chase treasure who is a band that performs at our renaissance fair uh a comedy singing group of ladies in beautiful dresses so they did this awesome reply to my toast of the lassies yeah they did um, a really good job yeah yeah it was cool yeah, yeah. that sounds like a pretty fun evening yes yeah, it's, it's a great time i, yeah. I love it Speaking of uh, the lovely ladies of Chase Trader, yes. Um, how do you find acts besides the ones that you form yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you find acts for the fair? Well, Chase Treasure is an interesting one because yeah. I am responsible for the fact Chase Treasure exists because our really? music di- director, she was our music director, yeah. Now she's like our office manager, administrative, you know, manager uh-huh. Melissa Baker, Melissa, okay, who is the owner of Chase Treasure. Yeah, yeah. I told her, because she's an amazing singer. Yeah. And I said to her, you know, why don't you form a band of of ladies to Mm -hmm. do these Renaissance Fair songs and stuff like that? You know, I would hire you. Yeah. And that's how Chase Treasure got started, was because I wanted that for the fair. Um, We are at a point now where we get press kits and stuff from everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. But most of the people we have at the fair are people I personally know. And have seen and performed with. We have a very interesting, um, especially John and I amongst our ownership team, have a very interesting perspective because we we travel and perform. Mm -hmm. We own the fair and our producers and that kind of stuff. So we kind of see it from both sides, you know. Um, It makes it kind of hard for me sometimes going out to other fairs because I can't get mad at the managers and owners of the fair anymore. Because I completely understand what they're going through. You know, like when they forget something or whatever, I was like, oh, yeah, I, get that. I would do that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess just pay us sometime, you know. Um, <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. But I, every once in a while, I'll see something that's really great and I'll, you know, approach them and bring them in. But, I mean, we get a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I very rarely book anybody who just sends us press kits. Yeah. I get a lot of people who are like, hey, I've done all this stuff. Hire me. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. And have, can you send me some video? Because yeah. certainly not going to hire you off the top of your head. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, we try to stay within our budget. I think, yeah, most everybody. And I try to be loyal to the people because we, um, John and I knew a lot of people. So we had a lot of people when we started out doing this who did the show for us at a rate way cheaper than they would have done it mm-hmm. for anybody else. And so usually the way I go with things is like, you got a job with us as long as you don't mess up, you know, yeah. and the people like you yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. So Yeah. And uh, New Jersey Fair I, seems to be much more, um, you guys are a lot closer than a lot of fairs. A lot of fairs are more, more business-like from what I've seen. Uh, and this is just as a, uh, a patron who the person goes right. and uh, occasionally talks to people and meets actors or acts behind the scene. Um, but yeah, um, I have never heard acts complain, you know, about the Jersey fair. Um, 
They have. Make no mistake. I, I'm usually. I, I'm sure they too. have. <laughs> we try. We yeah. try to treat everybody. You can't please everybody all the time, and yeah. and any anybody who does this, this running this fair is the most complicated thing I've ever been involved in, and it's it's crazy, and usually, so we have our main entertainment staff is you got Phil, the artistic director, who is is just very stoic and like, you know, like he's he's like at this distance that people don't like approach him, right? And then you got John. Who's like the happy guy everybody loves, right? So if people are going to get mad at anybody on our team, it's me, <laughs> right? And I'm also the guy signing the contracts and stuff for the independents, right? And if we have a reason, like you know, if we for some reason don't hire people back, like we way overpaid for entertainment for a very long time based on the size fair we did. Mm-hmm. I had way too much stuff, so you know we had to make some really hard decisions. Mm-hmm. And those people who are on the other ends of those hard decisions, you know, yeah, sometimes. They think you're the devil incarnate. Yeah. And they talk about that at parties for years. <laughs> you know, so I get to hear people like, you know, this person said this thing. And I'm like, and you gotta really just let that go, you know. Yeah. And I, I completely understand it. Um But the people who are like the really professional acts, like they get it all the time. Like anybody, if you're gonna be a performer, you have to accept the fact that you're not gonna get cast sometimes. Or else you're gonna drive yourself Most crazy. Of the time. <laughs> you know? But so like the people like, you know, like like the Shelly Buttons of the world or like, you know, Paula Garbanzos and people who are doing this all the time. Yeah. Like they understand people make, you know, and you never completely understand the reasons necessarily. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and I've had that, like I've had people not cast us Yeah, and you can't take it personally because if you do, this is not the line of work for you Yeah, because you're going to not get cast a lot more than you're going to get cast. Yeah. So, um, oh man, I'd follow up to that. I can't remember what it was. Well, while you're thinking of that, ADD's since you mentioned that, you have a mix of professional actors and people mm-hmm. are just going to walk off and try to audition. When you yeah. say professional actors, is there is okay. this part of equity? Or, so, or is there no, no, not necessarily. We have, um, I think equity is allowed to perform at Renaissance fairs because they don't really consider it real theater. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I'm going to even bother with this. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. You could do that. It's not hurting us. So, we have the cast, right? And that was when I was talking about the professional, you know, the, the principal cast who does like the Shakespeare's and the shows and they're able to be there a lot. And then we have our supporting cast, which is, you know, like mostly our volunteers and that kind of stuff. A lot of those people are way good enough to be in this group. It's just, they got real jobs. They got day jobs. They do, you know, uh, the people over here are people who are making their living as actors. Right. And they go to auditions all the time and that's what they do. So, um, like I said, we got people who are engineers who come on the weekend and they, they're like a ragmonger. Or so a fish or a hobby. Right. So that's the cast, all right? And they put those people aside. We also have independent acts, right? So my show that I do with John, The Lords of Adventure, fairs will hire us to come in and do our show like three times a day. At our fair, that has nothing to do with the cast and the plot line and all that kind of stuff. So you can come see our Lords of Adventure show. It's completely separate from the plot line you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so before. you don't have to understand what, what yeah. the plot of it is. It's an independent, yeah. stand on its own show. So you can see it separately, come in and see it. Right. Like, like if you were a juggler who had a comedy show and I hired you to do okay, our show. Yeah, you? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I could feel it. I've been doing this long enough. So, but if I hired you to come in and do your show, I don't want to deal with what you're. You need to write the scripts for that and do the whole thing. I expect you to come in and do a good show three you're times an a day. You're an independent contractor. You're an independent contractor. Yep. So, so that's the whole. Our, overall cast right includes 
our in-house acting company, which is the principal supporting people I talked about. It includes the independent performers. It also includes all the merchants and vendors who come because we have about 70 or more uh, people who have shops and Mm -hmm. sell things there, right? Because that creates the village, right? Because otherwise, it's just an empty spot. So between shows, people go shop and hang out. We have the food merchants. uh, We got the guys who work in the parking lot. We got the people who are working up at the ticket booth. Like, that is our cast, right? They are all part of the experience that people get when they come to the Renaissance Fair. So that's pretty complex. It's crazy yeah, complex. Three yeah, weekends, and you, you can't yeah. see everything on one day. Right. You know? That's part of our secret plot. Yeah. Um, so how many days do you think it would take to see everything? Well, it depends on... We'll see everything? I mean... I don't even know. I mean, I think it'd take a couple weekends because I don't even think you could see all the shows and which is two why days. you should buy a season pass. Right? You should totally buy a season. Please buy a season pass. <laughs> nice, nice plug. <laughs> you know how, like with Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. You got to talk about this Fight Club <laughs> as many people as you can. NJRenfair.com. Um, people got kids to go to college. Please. So, uh, but yeah, because you've got that. So you got the plot. You've got all the the well, musical acts. Another thing is, yeah. like we talked about the sporting cast. Yeah. Like, they're going to have weird, different stuff happen every That's day. That's true, I see. Because they're just in character improv Random interactions, right? yeah. So there's stuff that you can see. There is different stuff that will happen with the cast every single day of the fair. And the and because it's interactive theater, every show is going to be... Like, if you see me and John do our show, yeah. it's going to be different a little bit every day. Like, we got a script that we stay with, but, you know, weird stuff's going to happen depending on how the acting thing is. Shakespeare... Oh yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah, this he is the greatest interactive performer I have ever seen in my entire life. He handles a crowd like no one I've ever seen. Yeah, crazy. Um, shout out to Dan Costello, William Shakespeare. Shakespeare approves. Yeah, we got to get him on because you definitely need to get him. So on. what? He, his act is just his. He is his Shakespeare. It's man. called Shakespeare Proofs. Yeah, and he is William Shakespeare. And I mean, I think he might actually be William Shakespeare. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. But he does these comedy versions of the Shakespeare plays. Like he does uh, Macbeth, Death by Fluffy Kittens. Oh, right? so he does tragedies as comedies. Or he, he does do all of them. He does yeah, uh, I mean, Romeo and Juliet, the Flying Implement of Doom edition. And he makes the audience be his actors. Yeah. And he usually incorporates 20 to 30 audience members in every show. Yeah. But he's off the rails ridiculous. Like he's got one that's, um, how was it? Julius Caesar, beware the Ides of the March of the Penguins. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah. It's great. Hamlet, the Christmas special. Like, it's, it's, it's well, wild. And then last year, he was one of the Saturday concerts. Yeah. He did a whole hour and he, a half. Yeah. He did a mashup of like 10 different Shakespeare plays. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all working around yeah. in his head. So. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. He's 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 brilliant. He's yeah. he's brilliant, and he is he is one of the bravest comedians I've ever seen because he just tries stuff and he never stops. Um, yeah, John and I like kind of directed him too because like we were on directing staff when he first started at uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so it's 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 beautiful to see what he's become because yeah. of everybody I've seen. Like John and I were pretty good interactive theater, all this kind of stuff, but like. Dan, as far as handling a crowd, is the best of us that I've ever seen, hands down. Like, it's it's yeah, crazy. He's really good. Yeah. Unless Cold Derringer Lawman <laughs> brings him down. All right. So good segue. Yeah. All right. Uh, so 
Can we talk about that? Yeah, why not? Let's talk about that. Okay. Murder mysteries. So we also do murder mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> At the fair? Or no, no, they're separate. Usually they're set in like the 1920s. But I play this character, uh, Colt Derringer Lawman, United States Bureau of Investigations, who is a 1920s gumshoe detective who solves heinous murder crimes. And he's from out west, you know, Pittsburgh. Beautiful town. It's dang near Ohio. That's the westest part of Pittsburgh. But we bring in the people, and then we solve these heinous murder crimes, right? And we're good at it, too. We're like a pelican at a raisin-eating contest. It's an exciting situation. So, murder mysteries, people come in. Yeah. Interactive dinner theater. There's been a murder. They are stupid. And I said that the same in the best <laughs> best possible way. Um, we just did one where... Um, John Williams was playing uh, Ezekiel Hezekiah Luther Jupiter, who had this cult where everybody, like, you have to cast off your moon name Mm. and eventually embrace your planet name. So, like, you know, like T.J. Miller would be my moon name. And then Mm. eventually I would be named something like Dante Horatio Mars or whatever. But what happens in this cult is uh, when someone gets married, the bride will go into her purification pod for 10 days before the wedding. And then she emerges into the ceremony, all this kind of situation. But the bride was killed to death. Oh. She was killed in a heinous murder crime. Turns out, she decided she was going to go against the cult. She wasn't going to pull her little plot off on this fella because she had fallen in love with him. Situation. Anyhow, so, of course, because I'm a master of disguise, when the wedding started and the bride came forward and then Josh lifted the veil to reveal his beautiful <laughs> bride, it was actually Colt Aaron's law man, <laughs> deep in disguise. And I understand. I'll tell you what. I felt good in that dress. The, the yeah. bureau made it for me. It was special fit and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did. I didn't feel like a platypus with a mullet in that thing. I'll tell you what. I felt pretty good. Satin. Mm-hmm. What's that? Satin. I don't know anything about that, sir. I care about, about three things. I like the Constitution, justice, and the memory of the noble passenger pigeon. Yours was the first... Um murder mystery uh i had never been to oh my gosh really it yeah. was what was the what was happening was, in that one? Uh, was it cold derringer it was one of the cold derringer yeah it was one of the cold derringer ones it was yep. definitely a um i got a page Pro- on facebook too you should check what it do you out. do the prohibition one um we got about four or five venues we use so usually when i book a murder mystery i try to schedule it so that we can do three or four different locations on different nights because they have different crowds um the one we do most often is a place called o'connor's american bar and grill which is down in east Hampton, new jersey it fits very well for uh, the, the prohibition because yeah, you, you know, like especially if you do it in the basement, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like looks kind of like speakeasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, I think it was upstairs that we I went to the the other one that you had um, the classic um, uh, what do you call it uh, literary? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that with the Poe? That was Poe. Yeah, that yeah, was, because that was your lady po. loves yeah. Poe. Yeah. Exactly. Still, have my, still have my egg girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what? Yeah. Poe po had died, right? Poe had died, and he had set up this, like, in case something happened to him, he'd set up this murder mystery for, yeah. like, Emily Dickinson and Thayne yeah. Hawthorne and Longfellow and uh, Sarah Helen Whitman was there. Yeah. And who else? I think that was, I think my been it. Yeah. So he'd kind of set yeah. up this murder mystery. And one of them was the murderer, in quotes. Right, right. In died. his thing that he had yeah. written. Yeah, and uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was there as the detective. Yeah, that's who I actually was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that I miss, happened I miss, I completely miss because I didn't want to shave. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want the creepy postache this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was Conan Doyle. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was good because there were multiple layers. You know, yes. The the 
um, actors acting like the um, suspects characters but then acting like suspects the great thing about that murder mystery for us was because number one in the story poe had written it and he was dead yeah right so you couldn't go to the source for information because usually what happens in all these murder mysteries is people will invariably ask you questions that you didn't think about Mm -hmm. right like well where's your room in the mansion yeah and you're and you know the actors haven't talked about it yeah and then they'll go talk to somebody else and they'll get a different answer and they'd be like, ha ha, I caught you in a lie. Yeah. But with this one, they had all gotten, they didn't know that the characters didn't know that they were going to be in it. And they got this packet of information from Poe, right? So the only information they had was what was in this packet. Yeah. So it made it a lot easier. Because like when people ask that, like, well, where was your room in the mansion? They're like, I don't know. It's not in my packet. Yeah. This is what I know. <clears throat> you know, so I'm guessing that information is not important because he didn't put it in here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. That was a great format for us. Um, yeah, that worked out really well. Yeah, that made our lives a lot easier on the actual thing because you got to really writing those is complicated. I usually am the one who writes those shows, and it's you got to try to really think about everything that happened. What I usually try to do is I figure out what actually happened in the murder, mm-hmm. right? Not what the guy who did it or the girl who did it wants yeah. you to think. Yeah, but what actually happened, and then you build everything off of that. Right. I think a problem people have when they try to write these things is they try to work backwards to the murder. Okay. Yeah. And so then you're going to get things wrong. And the crowd, because a lot of people who come to these are super into it, they're going to pick up on it. Yeah. Like anytime you got timeline stuff wrong, like you just try to find out what happened with the murder and then the timeline of like when the detective got called in, when did the authorities know that this happened? How did it happen? Because if you know what actually happened, you can get all your facts right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And again, not based on what the person wants you to think happened. But what actually happened at the murder? Yeah, I think uh, mystery writers do something like that, right? It's very important. You, you almost have—I don't see how you could do it in any other way. I mean, I—I I mean, I know you can do it other ways, and I've seen it happen. I've been in shows where I'm the detective, and you realize there's just major holes in the plots of the thing. Uh-huh. That, like this, you know, doesn't work. Like, like we had one where a guy was—he uh, did it for the money. And there was like this check that was there for these people. <laughs> and I'm like, so, you know, when we're going through this stuff. I'm like, yeah. so what you're saying is this guy murders this guy to get this money, which is a check. And now he's going to take it and cash it. Seems pretty It serious. doesn't seem like a really good plan for yeah. getting away with a murder. <laughs> and you set it up that this guy is like this major genius. Yeah. Right. So maybe it should, I mean, maybe it should be cash or something. I don't know. Like even that, it got like real, you know, because it's like you got to really try to think about stuff too, especially. Yeah. It's really hard to write one of those, I think, where you're like, include somebody in there who's like this major genius. Maybe it's a right? super genius. Yeah, but even that, like, <laughs> I, am, I am not that person, right? I'm not a super genius, right? So... It's very hard to write from the perspective of somebody who's got that level of intelligence. Plus, you got to keep it a little simpler. I was referring to if, Wiley Coyote. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, then if somebody's going to solve it, super genius. Yeah, like Wiley Coyote. Um, then they'd have to be a super genius too. Well, it wouldn't have like it's you know? just weird. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
just this idea and like and then people write these things like that they're supposed to be like these murders that were were performed by like this like brilliant criminal mastermind and mm-hmm. i'm like that's not a the thing you wrote was not done by a criminal mastermind i'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> it was oj yeah you know and that's the thing is you want to kind of make it like somebody who's I don't know. For me, it's like a little easier if the murderer is a little bit of a buffoon. Yeah. So they mess up and they leave these kind of breadcrumbs that yeah. people can find. Yeah, yeah. Know? Or it was a crime of passion, mm-hmm. you know, so there was, you know, yeah, uh, uh, you know, open options. So is there a fan base for Mr. Dinner? Yeah. As well as the, the mm-hmm. Ren Fair? Does that overlap? Yeah, they overlap. Yeah. Now, the thing with the murder mystery that's nice, for the Renaissance Fair, in order for us to be successful, we need like 3,000 people to come on a day, right? For the murder mysteries, you know, if we get... 80 people, that's a great show. We sold that out, right? So, but we have a core of people who like to come. We always usually get a couple new people. Um, what I try to find with the venues is venues that have a following of their own. Like, so O'Connor's, most of our ticket sales are because they put up flyers at their restaurant and they get people all the time. So people see it and they're like, oh yeah. And you know, we get some people, you know, like like you guys might show up. Yeah. I got like a core group of people who come see our shows. Um, but the venues have to be far enough apart that it's not the same fan base. Yeah, you want to cannibalize it. Right. Because I had that before. Like, I used to have a place that was close to O'Connor's that we do. And that would just split that crowd. I didn't need to do that. I could just put them all in the one venue. Mm-hmm. And So you write new shows all the time? Yeah, usually. And we we haven't really recycled any murder mysteries yet. So, And I wouldn't want to unless we went to a completely new Right. Otherwise, who's going to come back at this side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so Poe. Might as well get to Poe. Might as well. Why Poe? Okay, so, sorry. Uh, you act as Poe sometimes. I do. I perform um, as, yeah. You, yeah, you do uh, his, years. his um, stories or poems um, very well. Thank you. Kate, Thank you. Kate freaks out whenever she learns you're going to do it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, why Poe? Um, I think based on... There's a lot of Renaissance fairs that I know of. We started in Pennsylvania. They would do an Edgar Allan Poe Halloween show. Um, we got friends who work in Florida who the off-season Renaissance fair people do Poe during Halloween. So it just seemed kind of natural situation. Mm. I never I never dreamed or thought that I would be able to ever play Poe. Because like I did it back in Pennsylvania when I was working there. And the people who did it at the time, I was a new actor. And I just I kind of idolized those people, you know. So I can't really remember how I actually wound up doing it. <laughs> I really don't, I don't remember. Um, but at this point in time, after having done it, so why Poe? Um, it was just kind of a standard thing for Halloween that people like. Okay. And, you know, we had a bunch of friends. It was a formula that worked for other places that we've yeah. been. Um, but now all of the acting I do throughout the year is, you know, it's slapstick dumb mm-hmm. you know fun poe is the one time i feel like i get to actually act you know with dramatic performances and stuff and people people love it people love that stuff and the the poe stories and we've kind of added um hp lovecraft now I, I love that you added Lovecraft. yeah they really they really are they work great in that kind of yeah intimate you know because we usually we split the crowd up. We usually do three or four different shows. Yeah. Um, like we'll do like Telltale Heart, and then we'll do like a piece by Lovecraft. Yeah. And last year we had 
you know, we try to find new kind of horror things. There was there was a piece called The Yellow Wallpaper. Did you hear that one? Uh, read that if you get a chance. That's I've read weird. It, yeah. It's this yeah. lady she's going, who's like yeah. locked in an attic and she starts thinking that there's this woman living behind this like hideous yellow wallpaper on the thing. Melissa did it and it was With great. The, and she had the absinthe and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it fits it really well. And I really, I just, I, I really, it's, it's so, his stuff is so powerful and just heart-wrenching, you know, like doing the Raven. Everybody, everybody kind of thinks of it as like a horror piece, but he was writing that when his wife was dying of consumption. Yeah. So for me, like I get, I'm getting like a little emotional thing about it right now. Um, you know, so but being in that moment of this guy who's like losing his wife, you know, is I, I made like I made these high school girls cry one time. I did it at like a coffee oh, shop. Really? Yeah. And I saw them sitting there like had their arm around each other and they were like looking and just like crying, you know. Um, but it's genuine, you know, human emotion and it's like insanity. Yeah. And it's and one thing I really like about Poe is there's very few of Poe's stories that are supernatural, you know, at the end of. um House of Usher. Yeah. There's kind of like some kind of supernatural agency where the house breaks apart. But for the most part, it's just, you know, humans. Yeah. Like if you read Black Cat. Yeah. That guy, because I've done Telltale Heart and I've done Black Cat. Telltale Heart, you can kind of feel bad for the narrator. Yeah. Because they're crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. That guy from Black Cat is, yeah, he's, he's not a good human ever. <laughs> like that, the stuff he does to that cat yeah. and just... That's serial killer stuff, you know, and no remorse or anything. And that, that to me is what is terrifying, <laughs> you know, well, when you get scarier than yeah, yeah. because that could happen. That's a, right. that's a, that's a dude who will kill you. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, you know, like any kind of supernatural stuff. Like I want to go into like a haunted house because I think that stuff is cool, mm-hmm. you know? And, but yeah, really scary things. It's even like when you watch like zombie movies. It's not the zombies that are scary. Yeah. It's the humans, you know? Making stupid decisions. Yeah. Because we make bad decisions a lot, you know? And that's what I like about Poe. And I love I love Lovecraft too, but I just love that, like, psychological horror and just delving into, like, the human psyche that Poe does. It's yeah. so... They're kind of flip great. sides of the... Yeah. Of the it's my favorite thing I do during the year is Poe. Because yeah. we're Where so you, silly and stupid all the time. Um, same thing, places we do murder mysteries, really. Oh, um, We do it at uh, Valentine Winery. Uh, down in South Jersey, we'll probably do it at O'Connor's. That's where we did that last year. We we did Poe as a murder mystery last year, and that was because that's what Valenzano wanted. Uh-huh. They wanted a murder mystery show with Poe, which I think worked out good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, pretty much any place that'll take us. There's a there's a theater in Bordentown called uh, Open Arts Theater. We perform there sometime. That's like I liked, our. I like that one very much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a, that's an actual theater that has like sound and lighting and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So. Yeah. The the. You get a lot of drama out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I, yeah. Poe is interesting because <laughs> I start getting into, you know, I start getting like understanding Poe. Like I've written some poems that are in the voice of Poe. And that letter, that letter I wrote during the, right, um, for the murder mystery. I personally feel like that sounded very like something Poe would have written. Like yeah. I feel like I kind of have understanding of him. I don't think I would have like liked him as a human. He was very, he was very like if you really read, very whiny. Yeah. And like all these letters he wrote to these ladies. And drunk. 
drunk. Yeah. yeah. He was so poor me. And, oh, I can't believe you're going to leave me. And I guess I'll just go kill myself because I don't think anything's going to get better. And these women of the 1800s, like, ate it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he had all these married ladies and all these people who were just, yeah. And he was writing these love poems to some of these ladies while, we talk about Virginia dying. Yeah. While she was on her deathbed with consumption, he's, like, courting these other people, you know? Yeah. So, again, not a great, brilliant the stuff he wrote yeah. was brilliant, you know, and just so heartfelt. And but he was he was kind of like the original goth kid, you know, <laughs> like was. everything. Oh, I just feel it so deeply. And I love you so much. And <laughs> once upon a midnight dreary. <laughs> that could be an interesting character, different yeah. version of that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> One of my favorite times to do Poe. Oh my god, this is so bad. But um. <laughs> John was playing Frederick Douglass okay. in the show, mm-hmm. right? So Frederick Douglass, you know, was a great you know, order, yeah. abolitionist, all this kind of stuff. And so and when I'm Poe, I'm moping around, you know, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so John comes over, he's like, oh, Mr. Poe, what's wrong, Mr. Poe? I'm like, well, you know, my wife died of consumption. And he's like, oh, oh, I suppose she probably died in the hospital, right? Yeah, that's probably was pretty nice for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I guess she didn't get sold off to another man while you had to get beat. While she watched, oh yeah, things are real bad for you, Mister Poe. That's that's all. I don't know. I'm just uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> this kind of gives it a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, the team of Frederick Douglass and Edgar Allan Poe is hilarious. <laughs> that could be another thing, and you're welcome to steal that idea as well if you <laughs> just combine different people yeah. mystery and get them together. That's what we do. We kind of do that. Like I said, our last murder mystery was uh, we brought Emily Dickinson in. Um, She's another one who's just fascinating. But Poe really liked her stuff, apparently. Um, oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And then uh, Longfellow, Poe just horribly criticized him all the time. Yeah. So even in this, like, posthumous murder mystery he wrote, he yeah, was just making fun of him. And, yeah. like, he was like, you know, I could understand how if you were a horrible writer like Mr. Longfellow, you might want to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, we had him. We had Nathaniel Hawthorne. Sarah Helen Whitman was one of Poe's girlfriends was a poet um yeah so and that's thing too hp lovecraft is there so we kind of have like some little time jumping stuff yeah yeah you know so we should throw like a ridiculous character in the middle of it like oj (laughs) (laughs) gilbert godfrey (laughs) (laughs) that'd be awesome i got a friend who plays gilbert godfrey too yeah john davini bring him in our buddy john davini who used to do pa what i want to do here's the post show i want to do yeah is john williams plays Papa Legba. Oh. Kind of in the fashion of like same kind of costume as he had in Coven. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like the the hoodoo intermediary between the living and the dead. So he comes out and he summons forth these dead like actors. Right. So mm-hmm. you got Poe, mm-hmm. Shakespeare, Lovecraft shows up, Mary Shelley. Right. And they do, they all come in doing like the bells. Right. And then they each do their plays. But like, so for Shakespeare does Macbeth, but like in a really creepy like sleep no more kind of like really hit all the like yeah you know the blood on the hands and the witches and all those kinds of stuff and then they all do their stuff so yeah that's that's what i want to do where he summons them back that requires a little bit more um uh stage production and stuff yeah. than we usually are interested in doing i'd love to see that this time of year. yeah me too yeah uh, yeah i'm gonna do that one year it's gonna be it's gonna be cool and they each do like one of their masterworks i'm actually pretty excited about i think you could do a really cool, really creepy rendition of Macbeth. Yeah. If you hit on all the like 
you know, the horror pl- elements. Plenty of, yeah, <laughs> plenty definitely. of stuff to choose mm-hmm. from. Yeah, I mean, because if you get that really craven kind of uh, feeling, it's it's played so uh, overly dramatically every time I've seen it. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty. Um, uh, would you call it broad? I don't know. Have you heard um, of Sleep No More? No. You guys should go to Sleep No More. Yeah. You, yes, it's in uh, New York City, and it's a six-story building. And you basically can wander everywhere. They give you a mask, mm-hmm. like one of those uh, masks with like the white with big nose and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I have one of them. Yeah. And they put you on an elevator and they drop, like they'll let you out of the elevator, but then they'll keep your wife on the elevator and they split you up because they're like, uh, it's an individual experience, mm-hmm. right? So there's no talking and you just wander wherever you want in this whole six story building. And you know who the actors are because they don't have the masks on, right? And it's kind of like dance choreography. It's They say it's like a cross between uh, Macbeth film noir and like the roaring 20s kind of situation Mm -hmm. so you start out in this little speakeasy um but it's kind of this like dance choreography stuff like retelling the story of Macbeth. and there's like there's a there's like a like a hedge maze on one of the floors Mm. there's a sanitarium with all these things and you can look through everything like you can look at like the records on next to the bed and then there's like a padded room which has like stuff written on it there's um there's this graveyard in there uh, it's, it's awesome. They consider the, the building itself to be one of the characters in it. Mm-hmm. So you can like open letters and look at them. It's awesome. Yeah. And every time you go different stuff, like I've been, I've been three times and different stuff happens every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how the actors do that show. Cause it's, it's pretty psychologically intense. Like yeah. I think you would be messed up and probably drinking a lot if you were doing that show. Yeah. 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 Speaking of how you do a show, how do you remember Poe? I mean, now you've done it so many times. Yes. I usually, if you notice, will do one of three things. Mm -hmm. Usually I'll either do Black Cat or Telltale Heart. Yes. Or uh, Hop Frog. Hop Frog, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the Raven is usually in my head most of the year, most of it. Yeah. So my secret is Uh the Connecticut Renaissance Fair. (laughs) Okay. That's your secret. Yes. Because I have all of those shows on CD, mm-hmm. right? With tracks. So, you know, three or four paragraphs each track. So okay. as I'm driving on my four hour drive back and forth to Connecticut, mm-hmm. I'm just listening and remembering it over. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you recite it too? Or, or is yeah, I'll play the, I'll play a track mm-hmm. and then I'll recite it mm-hmm. until I feel like it's totally in my head and then I'll go on to the next track and then I'll try to do it. And then, you know. At some point before the show, a couple times I'll get up and I'll run it on my on its feet to know what I want to have. It's doing Poe the way we do it, where you usually have one person telling one of the stories. It's a 20-minute monologue. Yeah. It's crazy. First couple yeah. times. Until those shows now are easier because I've done them enough that it doesn't take me super long to get those back in my head. Right. But we have we have actors who do the show for us who like they have a real hard time, you know, yeah. going into it. So, yeah, that's that's what I do. Yeah, is it's hard. It's like learning any other monologue, but it's yeah, you got almost like a half an hour by yourself. Yeah, and then you have to decide yeah. how to perform it. And the thing with Poe actually too is his his language is so rich and thick, and he uses these like words, you know. So, and he'll say the same thing a bunch of times in these different ways. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm a little bit of a perfectionist about it. Like I want to say the stuff that he said, the way he said it, and the way he wanted it to be said. Right? So, yeah. 
It's it's not easy. Yeah. The Raven was actually easier because it's it's almost like a song. Yeah. You know, because it's it's got rhyme structure and you know the same syllable structure throughout and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, as opposed to just telling the story of you know Telltale Heart or something. So your your podcast is something you started recently too. Yeah, we're um, mm-hmm. we're three episodes in. It's the uh, Path of Action. Um, yeah, and again, that was mainly just because I I love philosophy. I was a philosophy major at uh, Rutgers, and I don't feel like there's a lot of opportunities to just you know have those those conversations with people. So yeah, me and my buddy Mike. He's actually one of my best friends from uh, growing up. He grew up like six doors down from where I lived. You know. Um, He's got a podcast called The Bunker, and he talks about like high strangeness and paranormal and all this kind of stuff. Um, but he'd done it before, so yeah, he kind of knows how to get it out there and all that kind of stuff. And we were talking about it that we would just like to have some of these conversations. So, yeah, so I mean, I, I listened to one because I get a link from Alex. It was interesting. So thank you. Yeah, yeah I liked your superpower. The follow through. Follow through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a superpower. Show, show up. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Show up. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And it's crazy, it's, though. It is, yeah. Yeah, it really is hard. Like, I know I got so many people in my life who don't, you know, that we have all these ideas of things that we want to do. And I don't know how people think they're going to happen, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's been my, like, I just don't stop until the thing gets done. No, it, uh, I I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm not an auditory learner. Um, but <coughs> it really struck me because. Um, and yet you have one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he doesn't listen to it. I watch it. After oh, okay. We, after we record it, I watch it. <laughs> oh, I got so, you. I got you. you know. mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I connected with that because, uh, I am mostly an introvert. Um, but I'm also a teacher. So that's a hard job for, for me. So every day it's, a struggle to get up in front of people and, and, and teach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though I know that the subjects now have been doing it long enough, um, to do it, but yeah, I follow through, you know, and focusing is, uh, very important. And, uh, so I really connected with, with what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that to me is the main thing of the, the path of action. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why it was called that is, um, I, when I was in college, I had a Buddhist philosophy class and there was, um, we read a book called the foundations of Tibetan mysticism by a guy named uh, Lama Govinda. And it talked about the great mantra, which is Om Mani Padme Hum, you know, and all the parts of it broke it down. But there was this like add on part at the end, which was, ah, the path of action. And, you know, everybody kind of knows Om as like the mantra that's everything's connected or whatever. Ah is like going out there into the world and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was what we made as the symbol for our Adventurers Guild, which is on the cover of the book. It's like we took that symbol, we put a compass around it, and then we put like AG in the middle. So it's like the Adventurers Guild, mm-hmm. right? So that was very important to us with our whole, um, you know, Adventure Handbook and the Lords of Adventure thing. So when we found out that name was available, it was like, you know, the universe was saying, <laughs> okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there was no Path of Action podcast. I was, I was... Yeah. Very surprised. Well, somebody had a plan for it, but didn't show up. Didn't show up. Or (laughs) they had the path of action and then like three or four other podcasts started with names similar and then they went out of business and then we showed up and we got it 
Oh no, it's another one. Oh, <laughs> now people are gonna be suing me. I, you know, I know own every iteration of the name Path of Action. I don't know if you know that. Like, whoa, dude, that's weird because nobody ever anywhere mm-hmm. has you registered for that. <laughs> Even sidewalk of action, <laughs> a gravel, the trail of action, path, path O action. Just the that. better, the better people can also be like the super highway of action, <laughs> <laughs> the high speed rail line of action, the, the hyperloop. Right? We'll be done. We'll be like, oh man. Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> That's the German one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what else? Do um, we, do we have all right. Wars? So you've been ten years, New Jersey Fair. Yes, sir. Uh, where do you see uh, Jersey Fair going? Well, I would love it to get to the point where it's like a six to eight week fair, mm-hmm. and ha- us have our own property mm-hmm. with stages and booths that people make and permanent site. Um. Yeah, having you know five six thousand people a day that'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. I would love the fair to get to the point where we can we can hire the staff we need to do a lot of these things, so that those of us who started it can go back to doing the things that we like and we're actually good at. Yeah, because as a new business, you know, we've had to do all of the things that we're probably like C plus at. Mm-hmm. To the sacrifice of the things that were A plus at, right? I shouldn't be the office manager yeah. that I have been for the past nine years or whatever. Like that's not you don't want me in that job. That's not I am not a type A personality. And I hate doing it, right? So yeah, if we were able to hire the staff that we had where we could, you know, enjoy it and do the entertainment stuff and choreograph fights and get out there and direct the people and the things and do some shows if we want. Um, but also to have that support you know, those other things, you know, so that we can, we would like that to be our year round, you know, job that kind of supports us sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's getting there. We had a real good year last year. So, you know, I got my fingers crossed for you. Yeah. Thanks, man. But would you need, you would need the indoor locations? No, no. An outdoor, a fair site. But if you said all year long. Well, no, we wouldn't do the fair all year long, but we would do murder mysteries. And like, we could do like Dickens shows. We could do hp lovecraft festival we could do like a sleepy hollow thing so you keep yeah we could do celtic music festival festivals you know have a festival grounds basically yeah that would be great yeah and another nice thing too when you get a permanent site you know people who are vendors like if you sell if you sell swords or whatever you can come there and you buy a little piece of property from us so you can build a shop so when you show up you don't have to set up a tent or whatever yeah you just come in and shut up your stuff um you know we could have all the stages up all the time so we roll in and you just kind of turn the lights on, yeah. You know, make sure stuff doesn't need to be repaired, but it makes life a lot easier. We are kind of in the middle of that at Liberty Lake because we're not a um, we're not a tent site, right? Like if you go to like, uh, have you been to Florida Renaissance Festival? No. One in uh, Fort Lauderdale, they have one of the biggest uh, non permanent locations in the country. That's a Bobby Rodriguez show, and that's in Fort Lauderdale, and they do it in a public park. And every year they come in, they got to set up their gate. That's nothing. That's like a park. So they got to build every stage. All the vendors come in, set up their tents, all that kind of stuff. So that's a tent show, right? When they leave, you can't tell it's there. We kind of are in the middle of that because we're at Liberty Lake. So most of our stages at this point are already pre-built. So they're just there. Um, We have to build our joust field and our joust list every year. Um, And the vendors still, for the most part, come in and have tents. Uh Um, We got a couple booths. One of them is mine, me and my dad. That's another business I have. My dad and I, we sell uh, wooden swords for kids. So we make those and training weapons and stuff like that. So I have a booth that I built. 
And the main reason I have that booth is because during the fair time, I don't have time to set up a tent. Yeah. So that's there. We also have a booth for uh, Dice Nights Adventures, which stays up. Um, yeah. But you could have more people build their own little shops. And then it starts looking like a town. Yeah. You know, which is really cool. Makes life a lot easier. I'm overwhelmed. Me too. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut out some projects. Yeah, no, you do a million different things. Know, so. It's too much. Like I said, I don't even remember. Like just now, like you know, people asked in the beginning. Like I didn't think about that sword thing. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the funny thing is, that is the thing that I make most of my money at from the year. Oh, really? More than any of the other stuff <laughs> is that sword thing, which I forgot about until the very end. Right? <laughs> well, because you're never there. Well, no, I have, I have to do that. I have to make those swords. I got a shop yeah. at Liberty Lake that I set up. Do you up. make them or is your dad? Uh, my dad makes like custom stuff. Yeah. Uh, I do like most of the mass production. Mm -hmm. Like I do that. We make the kid swords and they're all, you know, we got like jigs set up. So I'll cut it and I'll do like a hundred of those. And then I'll go over here and I'll cut the handle out on this other piece of machinery I got set up. Right. So it, that's just like mass production, you know, at this point. It's handmade, but it's all set up on routers and stuff where, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You cut out the general shape. And then you take another you take another router that does then you do the general shape of the blade and then the handle and then you go over here to this router and you cut the edge on the blade mm. and then you round off the edge of the handle so it's cool yeah. and then you attach the the hilt and then you got a sword so it's like five or six steps. well first you got to cut out the blanks so it's like five or six steps and then you got yeah. a sword and I'll do one step for like 150 swords or whatever and then yeah. I'll do step two for those same ones and then you know that kind of situation you're your own henry ford <laughs> yeah I, I hope i hope to be less racist so. <laughs> probably, probably easy to be less racist than yeah henry ford yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, making him out of hemp no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be good actually so we were talking to tj miller who is uh not a type a personality but has like third job on is that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one told him yeah no, he told me <laughs> no. i can't stop i can't say no to stuff <laughs> Like if you said to me like, wow, dude, this is a cool thing. We should do it. I'd be like, well, yeah, You had to it. put back the podcast today because uh, you were reading. What were you doing? I was <laughs> I was reading Native American stories yeah. in a teepee at Liberty Lake for yeah. their open house. Yeah, yeah. So. And mainly I was, I wound up mainly helping the kids make s'mores. Sounds good by the campfire. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad day. Yeah. I actually only read one story during the day because it wasn't, people weren't super into it. Oh. I talked a lot about the martial arts and fencing that we do at camp. I had one kid, one little boy, and his bro and his sister. And we talked. I told a story about a. It was a Lakota. It was a. Uh, I can't remember what Seneca story about the thundering people of Niagara Falls. Huh. Which is why the thunder happens because it's a reminder that we are blessed by the world around us. Because this girl, she went over the waterfall mm -hmm. and she'd always given you know, sacrifices to the falls and the thunder beings that lived in there and make all the sound. Mm -hmm. So the, the king of the thunder beings decided he wanted to marry her when she went over the falls. So now you can still hear her voice. When the thunder comes, you hear her voice. And it's a reminder that everything is connected and we're blessed by the natural world around us. Hmm. I was wondering who that was yeah. talking to me. And it was cool because the best thing happened a little bit today, but the best thing that ever happened to me working at summer camp was I took two... Uh, we had a giant, massive thunderstorm. Crazy. Like, scary. And yeah. it was, like, right there. And there were these two little girls who were scared to death of the thunder. One of them, her dad had been in high school when I did my student teaching. Right? Used to be a teacher. High school teacher. Different story altogether. 
But so she feels like we're like great buddies because every time she sees me, my daddy said hi. I'm like, okay, awesome. You told me I said hi. Uh, But so we're at this pavilion and there's all the kids from camp are split into like three of these wooden pavilions. And you got like the older boys in there and they're just loud. And this girl's crying and she's like, I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, it's so loud. And I'm like, no, the thunder's awesome. Dude, come here for a second. And I'm like, why are you scared? And she's like, well, because it's so loud. And I go, well, it's not as loud as them. Because all the, the like little, you know, yeah. pre-high school boys are like being loud. And she's like, she's like, uh. oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, it's, I'm like, do you like fireworks? She's like, yeah. I'm like, it's like the same thing. It's like nature's fireworks. So now the lightning's happening. Every time there's thunder, we're like, yay. Me and this girl who was crying two minutes ago. And we're like, yay. And then this other girl from the camp, she's like, ah. And we're like, are you scared? And she's like, yeah. And we're like, come on over, hang out with us. So by the end of it, me and these two girls, who were probably like eight, nine, are just like cheering, like maniacal, like, <laughs> like yay. Every time thunder happened, we're like, woo. And her pa- their parents are like, I don't know what you did, but like she loves the lightning now. And they were scared. So I got two kids to not be afraid of the thunder anymore. If that's all I ever accomplished at this summer camp, mm. I did my job. But that's one of the reasons I keep doing the summer camp is because that is some awesome life-changing stuff that happens there all the time. Like you get some serious moments at the camp. Mm. I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Moments like that. And they happen every day. Like I said, if that was the only moment I ever had, like to me, that feels worth it. Like little kid who was scared of the thunder and lightning, no longer scared of thunder and lightning. But that's what I said. That's why I keep going back to the summer camp because it's, yeah. I mean, camp is intense. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Good stuff happens there. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So we have an hour 45. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any other other jobs to cover? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'll probably think, I'll call you guys. I'll call you guys when you're doing your next podcast. Like, the... Wait a second, we have a call. Yeah. Hey, I forgot. <laughs> I have a tire shop. Oh, I teach a... build engines. <laughs> I teach a OSHA safety classes too. That's not a lie. I actually do that. That's another story. <laughs> no, we're not going into that. Let's not go into it. Because I don't want to hear about OSHA. Uh, you don't want to hear about it. It's yeah. a pain. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> TJ Miller. Yeah, thank you very much. The thank you, guys. The funnier one. Yeah. <laughs> thanks man, thanks buddy. Be like the man with a was a thousand faces like a man yeah. well, with a thousand jobs the other tj miller has been to prison i have oh. not so i'm i feel pretty good on that there you go all right mm-hmm. thank you tj no problem it's great yeah, to meet you guys yeah, well nice not me you guys great to meet you yeah, great to see you so see you at a edgar on post show yeah yeah